Welcome to Answers from Antioch. You have joined us at the intersection of God's Word and today's world. This broadcast is brought to you by the Antioch Baptist Church in Bristol, Virginia. Join us as we examine information that impacts the church, the Christian, and the Christian home. Hello, everyone. Thanks so very much for tuning in today. I'm honored that you'd give me some time and blessed to be here. Don't forget this Sunday at 10 is our Sunday school Bible study time. Sunday morning worship is at 11 o'clock and Sunday afternoon evening worship begins at 5 o'clock. We'd love to have you here at Antioch Baptist Church, our church located just off exit 7 Interstate 81 here in Bristol, Virginia right adjacent to the interstate, next door to the Bojangles Restaurant. Come and visit with us this Sunday. We'd love to have you. Uh, Let me also mention that one of our sister churches, the New Grace Baptist Church, are in camp meeting, revival meeting, camp meeting there going on through tonight. Seven o'clock is the time. Brother Chris Haslip is the guest speaker. You'll certainly enjoy being a part of this camp meeting. And Brother Jason McNeese has been there this week and uh, just a great time there at the church. Don't forget that meeting, 7 o'clock tonight. Church located just behind the Toyota dealership there on West State Street. You can easily find it. Well, yesterday we were talking about uh, the callousness, the coldness, uh, kinda the total lack of conscience that's in people today, uh, how cruel our world has become and how cruel America has become. Of course, we see that in the murdering of our own babies here in America, and we're very much aware of the coldness that's in our culture today, aren't we? And I think it goes all the way back to the time in 62 and 63 when prayer and the Bible were removed from the education system. And Chief Justice Warren was Satan-filled, there's no doubt about it, demonic possession in the man, and pushing and pushing to get God eradicated from the education system. Then in 1980, the Ten Commandments was removed from all the public buildings and the school buildings. Oh, that was the nail in the coffin lid for America. I truly believe it. I think it was the nail in the coffin lid for us here because it took away the demands and the commands of a thrice holy God where the Holy Spirit could take those commands and convince the heart of individuals. That's how the Spirit uses the law of God. The Holy Spirit uses God's law to bring people to Christ. Paul tells us that in Galatians, that the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. So the sweet Holy Ghost takes the law of God, the commandments of God, the demands of God, and convicts hardened hearts. And then what does he do? After that heart is contrite or broken and tender, he brings them to the gospel message Uh, The goodness of God leadeth men to repentance. Absolutely. It takes the Holy Spirit taking the demands, the commands, the law of God, breaking the hard-hearted individual so they can see they need the gospel. They need Jesus Christ who paid their debt of sin, 
who died in their place, who gave his blood and rose again alive forever so that they can be saved, their sins forgiven, their sins taken care of, and eternally be a part of the family of God. That's the gospel message, and it's for all men. But the Holy Spirit uses the law of God. Now, in today's world, I believe we're seeing so much of this callousness and coldness because people do not have the very law of God out there showing their need of Jehovah God. And when we take away God's Word from the mind of individuals, then, dear friend, it opens them totally to demonic control. Satan has a plan. He's had a plan to always spread lies instead of the truth, take the Word of God and twist it or move it or remove it. Ideally, in Satan's mind, is remove the Word of God. That's what's happened in America. Remove the Word of God. Don't let them hear it. Don't let them have it in any form or fashion so there will be no conviction and there will be no gospel. Don't allow that to happen. That's been his plan. And our nation has fell right into it today. This progressivism, I've spoken about it on this program for years now. Now we see it playing out in our government from the White House all the way down. We see this and the elevation of sin and the condemnation of that which is righteous and good and holy and right, the truth of God's Word. Elevate sin and condemn and completely demonize the church and the Christian and all the others. Now, we see that in our land today. But listen, there is still hope. The hope is the fact that the church is still here. We've not been raptured out yet. Here we are as believers. We are speaking the truth, and we speak the truth in love. Let me show you how our Lord Jesus Christ, he would address the Pharisees, the Sadducees. He would address these religious leaders, these scribes whose hearts were hard. He would take the law and give it right back to them. I mean, he would give them a strong dose of their own medicine. Why would he do that? Because they needed their hearts broken because he wanted to show them how they had broke the law and the commands of God. Our Lord Jesus, of course, writing the commandments. He is God, and he could do that to them. But for those whose hearts were already broken and contrite, uh, I think about Nicodemus there in John 3. I mentioned him yesterday. We won't go back into that. Uh, I think of others that their their hearts were already tender. What about the woman that came to him and uh, came into that uh, banquet that was being given for Jesus, slipped in? She wasn't invited and knelt behind him and cried and wept and washed his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair and and our Lord Jesus commends her for that. He spoke to her tenderly, forgiving her sins, you see. He knows when a heart is broken and tender. He certainly does. And he deals with them with the gospel. But the first step is the Holy Spirit taking the word of God to a hardened heart and showing them their need of a Savior. That's really what gripped the heart of the author of Amazing Grace, the most widely sung hymn in the world, Amazing Grace. John Newton wrote it. He said, and I have a book written by him of his own testimony. He said this, it's hard to shake off 
what mother did for me. John Newton's earliest memories were of his godly mother, who, despite her fragile health, devoted herself to nurturing his soul. At her knee, he memorized Bible passages and hymns. She died when he was about seven. He later recalled that her tearful prayers for him is what continually haunted him in his life. After her death, John uh, really alienated uh, himself from scriptures for a while, and he went to boarding schools and then to the high seas and wanting to live a good life, but nonetheless falling deeper and deeper into sin, pressed into service. He was put into service with the British Navy. He deserted. He was captured, and after two days of suspense, he was flogged, and his uh, thoughts, and he writes this, his thoughts vacillated between murder and suicide. And he said, I was capable of anything in those days, John Newton said, the writer of Amazing Grace. Well, more voyages, more dangers, toils, snares followed it. It was a life that was unrivaled, really, in uh, in, in any story. At, um, but on the night of March the 9th, and forty-eight. John Newton, 23 years old, was jolted awake by a storm that had descended so suddenly the crew didn't foresee it. The next day, in great peril, he cried out to the Lord, and he wrote these words, That tenth of March is a day much remembered by me, and I've never suffered it to pass unnoticed since the year 1748. The Lord came from on high and delivered me out of deep waters. Well, the next several years, slowly he grew in, his, in Christ. and But then at the end of that time, he became one of the most powerful evangelical preachers in Britain. And one thing you may not know is the song that the word scripture that inspired mm-hmm. Amazing Grace is from John Newton's study of First Chronicles chapter number 17, where God had returned, or God had made a promise to David and made the David the Davidic covenant. And David says these words in verse 16 and 17. And David the king came and sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is mine house that thou hast brought me hitherto? That stirred his heart. He meditated on those scriptures And it brought to his mind amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. How could you remember me, David said. And John Newton said, how could you remember me, Lord? Well, he does. Our time's gone. God bless you. Keep you safe. Thank you for joining us today. We encourage you to visit our website at antiochbristol.com. There you will find many ways to contact us and connect with us, and so much more. Until next time, stand firm in Jesus' truth.